Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. And while the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom, Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. When we are kids, we play house. We pretend to have a store, and we use our imaginations to take us anywhere. Once we hit our teen years, we find ways to make some extra income. Most teenagers babysit, rake leaves, or mow lawns for to make some extra cash. But not Barry Minkow. Barry Minkow was a businessman at the ripe age of 16, who grew his business to extraordinary heights to only have it all come crashing down. What happened to the boy wonder? Why did this happen? What did he do with the rest of his life? Find out on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, I don't remember playing house too much. What I did play was Forensic Examiner. What the fuck? I watched, uh, uh, I was exposed to CSI at probably a too young of an age. Yeah, that checks out. Um, So I would get like the forensic science kits that they would have and like set up fake crime scenes that I would then investigate. And I was like eight. Yep. Yep. That doesn't shock me at all. That literally. Uh, it's weird. Nope. It's that weird. Sounds and about that's right. why I grew up to be a weird adult. So thanks mom. It's all right. I definitely played house. And that's why Nina grew up to be the perfect housewife. Yep. That's me. Uh, Perfect little housewife. (laughs) See the ring on my finger? (laughs) That rock on my hand. Oh, is Dwayne on there? What's up, man? Yeah. It was in him. (laughs) Nah, man. If you fingered the rock, you wouldn't be here doing this podcast. No, I would not. Only successful people get to stick their fingers in Dwayne the Rock Johnson's asshole. Okay? Wow. Um, (laughs) The question I was going to ask you... Was if you had done any odd jobs as a teenager? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, one summer I did go to Tucson to uh, to be able to pay my way to go to a wrestling camp. Oh, okay. And I did manual, like hard manual labor for, for four days in 120 degree weather in Tucson. We laid this stuff called it's called waddle. I don't okay. think it's out here a lot, but in Arizona, it's like these bundles of hay. Okay. That are supposed like help erosion on like the side of the roads. Oh, okay. And you have to like lay you have to dig a ditch to put it in and then you have to put it down and then you have to hammer these wooden stakes like into the dirt with a sledgehammer. And I did that for for 4 days. How much do they pay you to do that? It's like $500. It's like $100 a day. Mm-hmm. For like 9 hours of work. 9 hours total. No, every day. No, not worth so it. So like, it was like $9 an hour, which was above minimum wage at the time in Arizona. I was making at my actual, actual factual job at Sonic Drive-In, where I was a fry cook. I was making a minimum wage, which was $7.25. It was yep. like the legal minimum wage. That's what I made for a long time. So fuck Arizona. That's what it was in Ohio. I think it's up to eight something in Ohio now, but when I was in high school, it was seven twenty-five. And then I remember when I was working at the butcher shop, I started to make $10 an hour. And I thought that I was making so much money. And then now I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I did that shit for $10 an hour. 
workers, rise up, start a revolution, eat the rich. That's why we started this podcast is because we got underpaid. We did. All right. You underpay the working class and you have a French revolution. Jeff Bezos. Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> I'm angry. We're all angry. We're all angry. And hey, why don't we get more angry? Let's get Was more upset episode? about Gary Mink, Minko? Minkow? Minkow. Okay. I'll take your word for it. That's how they pronounced it in the documentary I watched. All right. Gary we'll Minkow. take their word for it. So... Here's every, th- this one sentence will sum up everything you need to know about Mary M- Barry Minkow. All right, great. We can end the episode after this sentence. Yep. yep. Uh, 60 Minutes was quoted saying, if you're going to start a Hall of Fame for con men, Barry Minkow would have, would be one of the first inductees. Oh, okay. And I bet, I bet you right now, so I didn't know who, so everyone knows Bernie Madoff, right? Mm-hmm. Like every, people who don't even think about financial crimes knows who bernie madoff is mm-hmm. uh people who don't even think about financial crimes know who enron is mm-hmm. i don't know who the fuck barry minkow is well you're gonna find out well you know find out barry minkow was born on march 22nd 1966 in inglewood california he was born to robert and carol minkow his father had a really hard time keeping a job and the family grew up really poor and it wasn't uncommon for them to have their utilities turned off Minkow said that he promised himself that he would never be the way his father was and that he would be successful. His sister recounts him being a different type of kid, and it was noted that he was very self-centered, not shocking, and he needed constant attention, which is a trait that will follow him throughout his entire life. He was a very different kid. He was an uh, asshole, actually. (laughs) Yeah, he's a... So, you know how most kids, like... Kind of aren't too much of an asshole. He was a big asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, no. From everything I've gathered, this child was a pain in the ass his entire life. Now, although Minkow's father had difficulty holding down a job, his mother was a telephone solicitor for a carpet cleaning company. And at 13, Barry Minkow went to work with her and he would call people. He would actually be another telemarketer for this cleaning company and he would make calls and then he would actually carpet clean on the weekends. And that's where he learned to clean carpets. Oh, my God. This child's building a carpet empire already. Carpet muncher. He was a carpet muncher. I just I don't he wasn't eating it. You don't know that. You're right, I guess. He's 13. No, oh, God, Please yeah, stop sexualizing right. him. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That's where, he, but he, like, that's where he got his love for the carpet, you know? Uh, oh, okay. It was the 60s, so there was a lot of carpet going on. Yeah, the 60s through the 80s was when he, you know, had his heyday, so. The year, the decades of the carpet. I think yeah. that's what it's called in the history books. Yeah. But in 1982, he was around 15 or 16. I'm getting some... I was getting some varying reports, but definitely by 16, Minkow began his own carpet cleaning business. He says a huge reason that he started his business was to get girls. Oh, man. He really was an all-American boy. Women love a man who can handle a carpet. And you were the one who said to stop sexualizing him. <laughs> I'm talking about actual carpet. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's nothing more. Teenage girls, they don't care if you play football. They don't care if you're smart. They care if you can staple down a carpet without any bunches. That's what they care about. I mean, nothing else got me hotter when I was in high school. I would actually just like 
watch the Empire Today commercials over and over and over because they were laying all that carpet and hardwood it's floors. Like, oh my God, why is this? I'm like, this oh, is Empire so Today, so practical. Oh, I am going to call. I'm I gonna am going to call 1-800-EMPIRE-TODAY. On your phone bill instead of it being like charges from like a sex hotline like with teenage boys. It's just carpet cleaning services. To Barry. So, Minkow was a... He was very into fitness. He's always been very fitness into... Fitness dick in that mouth. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you said fitness. I can't. Okay. I can't not say the joke. All right. It's kind of like law. Sorry. So, this man was very concerned about his physical appearance and his health. Oh, okay. Thank you. And he was at Valley Gym and Health Club at 16, and there was a lot of steroids going around and stuff like that. And there was a man that he met there, and the man told them, told him that if he cleaned his carpet, he would give him, exchange, like he was going to exchange his services for steroids, which he did. All right. And he was cleaning this man's carpet, and the man told Minkow that he should start his own business. And so... Minkow knew this man from the gym. He respected him a lot. He gave him steroids. So he was like, yeah, I am going to start my own business. And the man loaned Minkow $1,600 to start his business with $200 a week interest. (laughs) Oh, so Barry's dumb. I mean, even at 16, you got to be like, that's a bad deal. Yep. And Barry thought. This was his ticket out of poverty. It wasn't it's just going to get him in a deeper hole. You might as well just play the lottery. At that point, in October of 1982, he started the best carpet cleaning company. That's four Z's. Z-Z-Z-Z-Best. But that is how it's pronounced, is you have to yep. say Z-Best. It's Z-Best carpet cleaning. It's not Z-Z-Z-Z-Best? Nope, it's okay. Z-Best. I just want to make sure. He was going to originally name it The Best, but he decided on the name Z-Best because it was going to be the last name in the phone book. Yeah, see, this is why I thought for so long that it was a mattress company. No. When I talked about this episode, that's why I thought it was a mattress company because who names a carpet cleaning business (laughs) Z-Best? I guess a stupid 16-year-old hopped up on steroids who (laughs) gets his advice from his dealer. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, who takes loans out from his dealer. And I'm sure that there was some sort of mattress or sleep thing that had three Zs, which is why he had four Zs in his name. He was like, add another Z. He's like, get another one in there. We'll be the last. We'll be the last. Because that's where everyone looks. When I look at a phone book, I always look at the last page. Every book I pick up, last page first. That's how books work. That's... Ah, uh, I mean, when I read a novel, I do turn to the last page first and read you it. You <laughs> don't like surprises. That's what it is. The story's about the journey. Stop ruining it for yourself. I read the last page first, and then I go and read the book. Bullshit. Bu- you don't watch the end of the movie first, do you? Nope. Then stop doing that to yourself. You sound like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> my mom gets so mad at me for doing that. Well, me and your mom have something in common. It's not often, but we have this in common now. That one you have in common. Um, he actually, speaking of moms, he got his mom to solicit people on the phone for his carpet cleaning business since she already did it for another one. And he was successful enough that he hired people to clean, but then on the weekends, he would actually go and clean so he wouldn't have to pay anyone. And you're going to hear throughout this episode that Minkow is extremely obsessed with media attention and this started off in the beginning of his 
career in his business. He actually called Channel 4 and pretended to be a customer giving rave reviews of this young kid who had his own business so that the news would cover his story. That's a that's a good idea. I mean, listen. He's shady in so many ways, and he's like a piece of shit, but he did have some good ideas, and that was one of them. Oh, man. Yeah, that one was a that was a good idea. I just know I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate him in a little bit, but like that's a good idea. It was a good idea. It's manipulative, but like the media is manipulative anyway, so if yeah. they're going to do it to somebody, I mean, I guess. Yeah. And he knew the more media attention that he got, the more people would trust him and trust his company. So he actually did all sorts of magazines, press, newspapers, and he got TV attention. And by 1983, he was able to be at the Reseda Business Center, and he actually ended up taking over the whole entire building by the time he was a junior in high school. What? Yeah. How big is this building? It's a, it looks like a big-ass warehouse. Holy shit, okay. Yeah. Do they also do install? Is that what it is? Or do they just clean carpets? They just, right now, right now they just clean carpets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then he was so successful that six months later, he ended up opening up another office. And then in 1984, he opened opened an office in San Francisco. And he had over 100 employees by the time he graduated high school. What? Yeah. That's crazy. No, oh, yeah, it's it is crazy. Okay. It is crazy. And in 1986 he made more than 5 million dollars and he had both of his parents employed for him. He made his dad actually call him Mr. Minkow <laughs> at work. Okay, so you shouldn't hit your kids. Okay? You shouldn't I'm I'm just saying. Like you shouldn't hit your kids. I agree, but unless unless they force you to call them by a superlative like if they're like you're calling me mr minkum that's the only time it's never it's not good any other time but he deserved to get smacked he needed smacked (laughs) he definitely needed smacked um he said that he made his dad call him mr minkow because he said that the company he wanted a culture of respect at the company but i just think he wanted to stick it to his dad that he was more successful did he call his dad also mr minkow then it's like they're both mr minkow then i mean probably not now, based on that comment, it will not be shocking to you that a lot of people call Barry Minkow a narcissist. What? What? Yeah. Um, and after watching the documentary, um, the documentary I watched was called The King of Khan, and I would actually suggest watching it. It was pretty it was pretty not only informative, but I was pretty entertained throughout the whole thing. Good watch, kept you riveted. Yeah, uh rim- well, so the last seat, episode was like meh, but it was interesting. Like mm-hmm. I watched, a little, I wasn't bored watching it. It's called The King of Khan, and it's on Discovery Plus. You know, one thing that Minkow says is that he really this around this time Ronald Reagan came into office. He really liked Ronald Reagan, so this kind of explains a lot about him. And um, he was, you know, really successful, and he was spending his money like crazy. And he really flashed his company logo everywhere. And he ended up buying this really big house, and it had a pool, and he put a Z at the bottom of the pool, and uh, all that stuff. And he's got a house, he's got cars, he's got money, and he's only 20 years old at this point. And Barry was actually chosen to be on Oprah for a Young Entrepreneurs episode. So you could probably find that somewhere on the internet. But he kind of blew the interview with Oprah because he was so arrogant. So he was on. Yes, I saw a little clip. he just made himself seem like an asshole. Yes. 
Yeah, he like so basically it was like this interview. It I never seen her do this when I would watch Oprah when I was younger, but it was like a panel almost of young entrepreneurs. Huh. There was probably like five or six of them, and she was kind of interviewing all of them. And Barry was like the obvious biggest asshole in the group. And what? No, I'm just a mat. I like I haven't seen it, but I'm just oh. imagining him being like like. So synergy is really important to running a good business. Well, like, uh, he would just... And you're going to find out why... He's very charismatic. He's very loud. And so he commands a lot of attention. Mm. And sometimes he's not even really saying anything, but because he's loud, people pay attention to him. Those and they're like... suck. Yeah, and these, like, there are people who are like, oh, he's got a lot to say just because he's loud and is talking. And there was actually one guy in the interview who was basically like, what you're saying, like the advice that you're giving people right now is going to hurt people. Because he's like, think big, dream big, be big. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Fake it. Yeah. Think big, be big. And fake it. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the other entrepreneurs was like, you're going to cause people to like run themselves into debt. They're not going to be successful. Like if they go no, off of yeah. what you say and he's like, well, my net worth, my company's worth $50 million and yours is only worth 17. So like who's winning was basically like what he said in the interview. Well, let's see who wins at the end of this. Yep. Barry. And we'll see who wins at the end of this episode. And he actually ended up writing a book when he was so like, in his early 20s called Making It in America. And by the time that Minkow was 20 years old, the company had gone public. Oh, they took this company public? Yep. I didn't know that, yep. actually. Yep. So now Minkow's operation was actually not as squeaky clean as he made it seem. There was, in one of the interviews that I watched, a couple was interviewed and they were talking about how they were, they had hired his, they were hired Z Best to do some cleaning for them. And they ended up checking their credit card statements and they had been severely overcharged for their service. And so they contacted the company and they were like, oh, you need to actually talk to the owner. Which, like, why would you need to talk to the owner? Yeah, if you have 100 an employees and you have to talk to the owner and for an overcharge? Yeah. And so. The wife had talked to Barry on the phone. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. This is a mistake. We'll get it fixed right away. Never fixes it. She calls back more than once. Never fixes it. And, like, I don't know exactly what they got cleaned. I actually think it might have been their home. But they were, like, charged, like, $600 to have their carpets cleaned. In the 80s, right? In the 80s. Yeah. And to be fair, I've never had my carpet cleaned in my home. I would still... <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, continue. No, I wasn't gonna make a joke. No, continue. It's fine. I don't think I would I don't think it would be six hundred dollars. Oh, we can't do another episode on carpet. Oh, this is too much. We're too big of children. Okay. <laughs> what did Ladybug Tree Mushroom say? Uh uh practice it uh We practice our profanity. Practicing our profanity. That review. Yeah, you're right. We are childish because we're having fun. I do this to relieve stress. I'm having fun in life. Sorry yeah. if you're not. Yes. So anyways, it never got rectified, this overcharge. And so her husband's like, you know what? I'm going down to Z-Best, and I'm going to talk to Barry Minkow myself. So he goes down to Z-Best, and he's like, hey, 
I got this overcharge. Y'all said you'd fix it. You didn't fix it. And they're like, oh, okay, well, come back here and you can talk to Mr. Minkow. He ends up being led to like a back alley sort of situation. And these two big guys come up and beat him up. Whoa, shit. (laughs) This is this one somewhere I didn't think this is going. Yeah, he gets beat up, and then he's like, and then Barry Minkow, like, he's out there, too, and he looks at it, and he's like, oh, this is only $600, and rips it up, breaks the man's glasses, and then, like, sends him on his way. You wouldn't have hit a man with glasses, would you? No, that's why he took him off. That's why he, and so um, he didn't get his money back. Business was booming, because we're overcharging everybody. He's a fucking mob boss. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. Oh, Oh, Kashan. Oh, no. Look at you foreshadowing. Oh, this is a bad Easter egg. I didn't want to find it. So business was booming, and every single year they were opening up two to four new stores every year. They were like kind of like Starbucks almost. Now, Minkow was so young in the beginning of this. We're going to go back. We're going to bounce around just a little bit in this. But he was so young that he actually couldn't open a checking account for his own business because he wasn't 18. And so he at first the bank was letting him open a checking checking account because they didn't realize he was 16. And then they were like, oh, shit, you're 16. You can't have this account. And he's like, but you let me open it and I need to run my business. So anyway, he figured out how to rig rig the system because you can cash a check at the bank without having a bank account, or at least back then you could. Okay. From what I was understanding. So what he would do was he he would write checks for one bank to deposit into another bank. So it's like, send this over here. This was a very confusing thing that he did, but so, I think it worked because it was the 80s. Huh, yeah. So he they was don't like, have computers. Yeah, so like he would deposit this check or cash this check out to be deposited. So he was in California, but like the bank would be, he would tell them the bank was in Albany. And so they would send the check out to Albany, but they would give him the cash right then because oh. he was depositing the, he was going to deposit it in this other one, but he could get the cash there. And so they would send it, but the money was never really there. So then he would get the money back. Like, so he was getting the money, but there was no real money. Oh. And these checks would just bounce. Okay, so he's like, so he's writing bad checks, but at a bank, not a business? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know how he didn't get caught right away with this, about to but say, somehow like, he didn't. Somehow he didn't. And he was even explaining how he did it because he's still alive. He was explaining how he did it in this documentary. And even the person interviewing him was like, this doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, okay, good. It's both of us. You're like, oh, great. Yeah, he's like, you don't get it? And they were like, no, I don't get it. And he's like, all right. (laughs) All right, we'll move on. He's such a dick. He's like, I don't know. All right, well, you don't get it? I guess you're stupid. (laughs) But that loan he had taken out from the guy at the gym was really hitting him hard because he was having to pay $200 a week on this $1,600 loan. It took him a long time to pay it off. And so, yeah, it took him a long time. And in 1983... So that was only one year after his business had opened. They had, Like I said, they shut down his bank account, but he had to make payroll. So he went to make a money order, and you can make money orders at the store. Yeah. And so he went to this store that he knew the people there, and 
the person who was running the counter where he was getting the money order left him at the front of the store because he's like, oh, I've got to go get something in the back because he knew him and he trusted him. Well, while the guy was away, Minkow took the money box and took the money orders and started making fake money orders to pay his employees. Oh, no. And this is kind of where like his his fraud is starting right away. I bet this goes on for a while. You like these have already been so stupid. Like how do you not just get caught immediately? I don't know how he didn't get caught immediately. Okay. I truly don't know. And Minkow says that it was after this incident incidents that he was no longer a boy, but I bet he was still a virgin. See, you'd like to think that, but if you have a your own house cleaning. and a pool and Well, this was before that, I think. This was before that? This was in 83, so he would have still been in high school. We went back a little bit. Oh, yeah, he was 17. But he started the business when he was 13. No. Right? No, no, no. He started the business when he was, like, 16. Okay. So he was 17. So it's like a year in. Okay, okay. He started working for his mom. So Oprah and everything came after all this? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Oprah was after this. We're bouncing around a little bit. Bouncing around a little bit. And Minkow would go to desperate lengths in order to keep his employees paid and keep his company afloat. He actually even stole jewelry from his grandmother and sold it, which is like some crackhead shit. Like my cousin stole stuff from my grandma to fuel her meth problem. It's like, hey, uh, hey, hey, granny, I need to, Can I get some of your your chains? I got to I got to start a carpet business. Um <laughs> His grandma never forgave him. His, Good. His sister said she talked about it until the day she died. Good. I hope I on mean, her yeah. deathbed she was like, fuck Barry. Like, is her last words. I hope. I don't know what her last words Go are. out with a bang. Minkow ends up meeting this guy named Mark Moores. And they fell in love. Well, Mark Moores was a numbers guy. And when... Minkow met Mark. He told him that he wanted to do insurance restorations. What's that? So basically, it was like if a company had um, a renovation or like they had to cash an insurance policy for some reason. So maybe fire or who knows what. And the insurance company was um, paying them. To go clean the carpets after our, like, it opened. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, basically, it was, like, almost like renovation. So, so it's, like, contracts, but, pri- but like, only with insurance companies. Like, yes. they need to come out because insurance companies pay them to, to clean yes. after something happens. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, something would happen. So, Moore's will say, and he'll go on record and say that the carpet cleaning was legit and actually pretty good. Um, and he was the one who was getting Barry Minkow all this money for the insurance restorations. He worked with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, Minkow ends up lying about all these re- doing all these restoration jobs. So he's getting the money from Moore's, but he's like, hey. So this was a little confusing how this worked, but he was like, this job paying me this much. And then he would get the money. But the jobs were fake. That's so weird. It's so weird. And like, I I was trying to understand and I was reading it and I'm like, I do feel like I'm missing something. But he was lying about these restoration jobs. So he was saying, I did a job here. He was getting paid for it. 
but it didn't, the job didn't exist. Hmm. And I'm going to scroll down a little bit. The way that he was doing this was he had met a man named... Tom Paget. Yes, Tom Paget. This is interesting. Tom Paget was actually a Nazi. Um, he, okay. Yep. He did it. Mark Moores went on record and was like, Tom Paget was a Nazi. And he like gave all the reasons why. And he was like friends with skinheads and would support like alt-right causes and said he was a Nazi. Okay. And uh, Minkow was Jewish. So that shows how like little he like, I don't know. I felt <laughs> like you have no moral compass if you're like, oh yeah, you hate me, but you're making me money. That's totally I think fine. anyone working with the Nazis already bad, but like yeah, but especially if, if you come from the people that were actively oppressed by the Nazis, and you're like, eh, yeah, that tells you money's money, no matter where it's coming from. Yeah, right? that literally tells you everything that you need to know. And together, they made a fake company called Interstate Appraisal Services, which verified the restorations in order to get the money. So they made a different company that verifies their fake jobs, so that that company can make money as well. Uh huh. Great. And about eighty six percent of the company revenues were fraudulent. And they were just so they're just scamming insurance companies, basically, in a very weird carpet centric way. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> yes. And when Minkow finally like comes clean to Moore's, he's like, hey, sorry, dude, this one job's fake. I need you to kind of like help me out with this. And he was like, OK, um, I'll try to make it look real. So he like forges some stuff. And then he's like, hey, sorry, actually, like all 20 of the jobs were fake. So Moore's, Moore's was like, I don't know why I did this and wasn't just like, you're shit out of luck. He's like, I don't know why I helped him make all these look real and like make all these fraudulent documents. It was money. And all this stuff. Yes, it was money. Also, it was Barry, all money. you can't, can't do, do that. that. It's illegal. And because all this crazy stuff was going on and... Barry needed this money. He actually ends up going to loan sharks for money, and he worked with a bob, mob boss named Jack Katane. And Katane actually moved some of his office into Z Best's offices. You never think that, you know, like, you never think about how the mafia needs an office, but that's funny because they probably do. They do need an office. They're like, yeah. But so the mob knew that he was like, really successful and all this stuff. They had no idea that the restoration jobs were fake. So they just thought they were doing legit business. But so he scammed the mob. Yeah, that's a bad. That's Those are bad. The worst people to do that to. Yes. I think. Yes. And Z best gener generated income that didn't exist. And there was no real business. Really? There was really no real business and no real earnings. Oh, so they're not scamming the insurance they're companies. Just they're just creating a, fake jobs to make it seem like they're... Basically, they're oh. a con Ponzi scheme. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're like a giant Ponzi scheme, but they're getting the money and then spreading it around everywhere. Oh, man. Like every good Ponzi scheme, they would have to pay off their investors the first time before moving all the money around and getting more money from the investors because they made money that one time. Well... Mink Allen Moores and Tom Paget all knew that they could not keep this going and they needed a cure. So they ended up getting an IPO. 
And to get the IPO, they needed to be audited. So with a Xerox machine, an old Apple computer, and whiteout, really Moore's, it was more Moore's than anybody else, made fake three years of audited financial statements. Oh my God. About 25,000 documents. How long? Oh, I had to take him forever. Did that take? Forever. Like at some point you have to walk in and be like, why am I doing this? It's like the second month of creating fake, fake financial documents. And you're walking in like, what am like? It's not like a murder. Like if you kill someone really fast, like in like a murder of passion, you're like, no, what did I do this, this time? Is- at any point you're sitting there being like, why am I doing this? And you have to make the conscious choice to continue doing it and for months. And that's what's crazy is like, this is so well thought out. You can't sit here and be like, oops, I didn't mean to. Like, no, this was planned. Yeah. This was. We just got caught up, you know, and, like, the, we, and, and we didn't know what to do. You know, no, it's like, no, this was fake from the beginning. Yeah. And just yeah. continued to get more fake. <laughs> yeah, no, he really got himself in something that he just couldn't get out of. Bruh. And so in 1986, before they went public, they were an auditor had to come and see what they were doing to ensure that they were legit so that they could go public. And there was about, so they had this job on the books that the auditor wanted to come see. And it was a $7 million job in a 16-story building. That did not exist. And they didn't think about this. There are no 16-story buildings in San Francisco at the time. (laughs) So what do they do? They went to an 18-story building, rented out 10 floors. Mark Moores gave each of the security guards $100 and told them to pretend like he knew them. Oh, my God. One of the um, security guards was like, now, granted, this was the 80s, so $100 was a little bit more than it is today. $100, like, will still get me by for a decent amount of time if I don't have to pay a bill. That's a lot of mozzarella sticks. It's a lot of mozzarella sticks. But the guy was like, $100, I'll kill someone for that. I was like, oh, my God. I think you just want to kill someone, Raj. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, dude. Um, So Moores and nine auditors went into the building. They put up, oh, sorry, no, 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 this isn't the auditors yet. Moores and nine guys to set up the fake thing go into the building. They put up fake signs everywhere, hard hats, et cetera, to make it look like a job is being performed. And Moores was worried that the auditors were going to actually ask him questions. And because he's like, I don't know any of these answers. Like, what if they ask me a question? But they didn't ask any questions and they bought it all hook, line, and sinker. Looks good. This place has carpets and it has one, two, three, four, five. You know, I'm going to stop at five. It looks like it has 16 floors. It's fine. Yep. And the public offering goes up. And on March 9th, 1986, Minkow was the youngest man in the U.S. to take a company public. Now, in, in Minkow, he couldn't even legally drink yet. Man, and this was all just to get money to pay off loan sharks. Basically, yeah. 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 But you want to hear the real kicker? Oh, uh, what's the kicker? The auditing company had offices in the same building that they rented out the fake job at. Oh, great. So no one was checking anything. So they were just, they were already there? (laughs) Well, I think that they must have had multiple locations. And so, like, people from this location came to this location and 
This is bad planning on their this part. You already got just, auditors there. Just send them what? upstairs, bro. This is a lot of people not paying attention to their job. Yeah, well. That's what this is. Yeah, well. Yeah. And um, so they weren't really looking for fraud. They just wanted to sign a piece of paper. Um, by February of 1987, Z-Best was trading at $18 a share on the NASDAQ, which valued the company at $280 million. Now, Minkow also learned that the, during this time that the company KeyServe, which was the carpet cleaner for Sears, was being sold by its British owner. And Minkow began, a, began merger talks with the company because the cash infusion would solve all of his current cash flow problems. It, it would also, ha- he would have a legitimate business with legitimate customers mm-hmm. then, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you could basically just become a carpet cleaning service at that point. Yeah. And get away with everything, everything and live rich for forever because now, well, at least you actually have the customers and people who need their carpets cleaned and all the equipment that you would buy from them and stuff like that. That's what a lot of these fake businesses try to do. And we've seen it a couple other times where they're like right on the verge of a merger that would actually like solve their issues. And here it is again. Here it is again. They agreed on a $25 million deal. There was also talks of him to buy Service Master for seven to $800 million. And he was planning, also, this is just a side note, he's planning on buying the Seattle Mariners. And instead, Nintendo bought them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Nintendo owned the Seattle Mariners for like a while. Ah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Japanese people do love baseball. Oh, yeah. They fucking love that shit. It's big there. Yeah. No, yeah. it is. It is. However, during all these merger talks, one of the victims in L.A. who was overcharged on her credit card started calling everyone, and she called the L.A. Times. My husband got beat up in a back alley. They broke his glasses. and we It, it was her. We, it was her. We had to go to Lens Crafters, and that was an extra $100. And at this point, this scrawny little man owes me $700. Yep. Yep. And obviously, it was found out that it was more than false credit card billings that was going on. Mm. There was a man named Don Ray who was the investigator who took on this job for taking Z-Best down. And uh, during all this, guess who Z-Best's auditor was? Erston Winnie, who became Erston Young. Oh, man. They had to kick out Winnie after this. Yes. <laughs> and once the fraud was figured out, they resigned as Z-Best's auditor, but did not notify the SEC until the until a month later. I, can you do that? I, oh, I've got... Oops, forgot. We don't do we don't we don't talk to them no more. Oh yeah, we don't We broke up. We broke up. <laughs> and in nineteen eighty seven, shit hit the fan. There was a run on the stocks and the stock value plummeted to three dollars and fifty cents a share. Um trading on the stock was suspended and everyone swarmed in to get to the bottom of the story. And pa- Tom Paget, he gave up right away and he gave Hours worth of interviews. Hours worth of interviews. Just a, just another example of a Nazi who's also a coward because they all are. They are. He did. Yeah, they are. They are. And Mingau actually blamed Mark Moores right away. He was like, it's all his fault. And everybody was like, no, no it's not. You started the company. Yeah. Honestly, we should have known this. When a 13-year-old starts a company, we should have been like, yeah, this is probably how it's going to go. Yeah. But whatever. But obviously, it was very easy to prove that Minkow had been shady from the beginning. And honestly, this was like, 
like everything, this isn't a victimless crime. That Not guy only, got beat up. No, <laughs> that guy got beat up. He cheated customers, but he also cheated stockholders of their money. Yeah. It's shitty. He took a Ponzi scheme public. Yeah. And we allowed that to happen. We allowed that to happen. And stockholders filed class action lawsuits. Um, employees weren't being paid. And Minkow describes it as a difficult point in his life. No shit, Barry. And um, I don't feel too bad for him. You knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. And the more the media uncovered the story, the faster the company went under. And Minkow, and by 21, Minkow lost everything. And that is where we are going to end today's episode. This this one, we started going and we realized this is going to be a long one. Yeah. But this is going to be a two-parter. Actually, I think yeah. this is only our second two-part episode. Uh, third. We did Michelle Sendona. We did OJ Simpson. And oh, now this. yeah. Okay, so this is our third two-part episode. But there's too much here, but we wanted to do this story justice, and the story takes as long as it takes to tell, but that means that we don't want to have you sit here and listen to an hour and 45-minute episode, so we're going to no, split no it up. No, no one wants that. And do around 45 minutes each. Yeah. So, uh, part A little one, more easy to digest. Part one this week, uh, part two next week, uh, and you can find out what happens to Barry Minkow. And Z Best, Best and his future, uh, it it gets wild. We, it, it is. We're recording this after we finish recording the whole episode, and it gets wild. So come back next week. Yeah, it's a good. It's honestly, this is one of my. This is in my top five stories we've covered. It's been good. It's been good. I yeah. think it's really good. Yeah. We're, we're liking this one. So come back next week for it. Um, I guess let's just do the normal. Episode. Yeah. So, um, if you liked what you listened to, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We are on facebook.com slash white collars, red hands, um, Twitter at white collars pod. We are on Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. We also uh, stream on YouTube stream. Yeah. Yeah. We're on YouTube. Um, we are under an entertainment buffets channel. Um, that is a really great way for you to support us. Kashan makes some cute little graphics. It's okay. They're not cute little graphics. They're very nice graphics. They don't I take have me that long to make. Honestly. Okay. Well, I couldn't make them. So there's that. Um, those are free ways to support us. If you would, we would really appreciate it if you left a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Spotify is now accepting reviews, so we would really, really appreciate a review. Um, and another way that you can support us is just by telling your friends and family about us. Telling um, word of mouth is usually uh, the best thing that you can do. Um, if you are on dating apps, a lot of people use podcast as a prompt so if you could just give us a plug we'd really appreciate that um nine is trying to convince herself that's not just in her life when she tells you guys that uh, <laughs> um and then an unfree way to support us is by buying our merch you can go to our website at www.whitecollarsredhands.com there's a little merch tab you all right? Kashan just, just headbutted the microphone. Um, if you go there, click the link. You can buy all sorts of fun stuff on there. Um, get your white collars, red hands, merch. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, if you have a suggestion for an episode, you can email us at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. All accurate. Yep. So 
I think that's all I have to say. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to the first part of this episode. You guys are the best. And uh, we will see you next time. For on the stunning conclusion of Barry Minkow. On White Cobbler's Red, Red Hands. Hands.